Changing the story around pain. This is the Modern Pain Podcast, helping to improve the understanding and treatment of pain across the world through education, advice from experts in the field, personal stories from those living well with pain, and more. A modern approach to pain treatment, management, and education, while helping to bring the patient voice back to healthcare. This is the Modern Pain Podcast. Here's your host, Dr. Mark Cardula. What is going on, everybody? It's Mark Cardula, lead faculty and founder here at Modern Pain Care, coming at you for another episode of the Modern Pain Podcast. And this week, uh, you know, Jared, as you'll find out, and you probably already know, he teaches kind of adjunct faculty at a DPT program over there in Texas, which has got a goldmine for podcast topics because it's always good to kind of get yourself back in that role of a DPT student, maybe early career professional. And hear kind of what's kind of going through your guys' heads as far as, you know, things you're thinking, concerned about, questions you have. Because um, sometimes, you know, being a 20-year dinosaur of the profession myself, um, I, I sometimes lose sight of what it is to be a DPT student and some of the stuff you guys go through um, when you're when you're making that part of your journey and, and getting through it. But um, before we get into this week's topic, let's just see how Jared Hall's doing. How are you doing, Jared? I'm doing good, man. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm kind of in the, the thick of the MSK curriculum right now. And as a matter of fact, this Friday, I get to go in and grade a bunch of final practicals. Uh, the way that, the way that we do the curriculum is kind of, uh, you know, spine focused in, in one MSK course. And then in the second MSK course, it's more, uh, it's more extremity focused. So we've been going through the lumbar spine and the pelvis uh, primarily this th- this semester. And, and that's kind of to set them up because they go out on clinical internship in a couple of weeks, one of their first clinical internships. So we determined, hey, you know, there's a lot of low back pain. And that's the number one thing people are seeing. Clinical instructors are pretty upset if you send a, a student out that hasn't had any exposure to uh, the spine yet. So we kind of developed our first MSK coursework to to really focus on the lumbar spine. So there's been a lot of fun, interesting discussions that have come up, of course, uh, when you're going through a, a lumbopelvic course curriculum. And, and th- that led to the topic today. Um, the other day in class, we were doing exercise case studies. And th- th- that's kind of what we do. You know, we, we teach examination uh, and then we teach special tests and then we bring it in and go over clinical case studies and, and kind of bring in exercise. And, and what is it, what would that look like over the course of a rehab plan of care? Right. It's kind of how we finish things up. So we're doing these exercise case studies and, you know, this person has a low back pain in the, in the case, of course. And once they got them better, they, you know, they kind of laid out their plan and then they, they, they brought up the idea of, well, then we would teach them spinal hygiene uh, to make sure that they don't have low back pain moving forward. So th- this was one of those cases where, you know, the, the, the needle like pulled off of the record. It was like, and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about this. What is spinal hygiene? And I just posed that question to the class. Like, what? What is spinal hygiene? And everything gets quiet. Uh, and everybody's kind of looking around at each other because they're like, oh, shit, we, um, we, we, we did something where Dr. Hall's about to come in at us and, and ask us a bunch of questions because this typically happens. I ask a bunch of reflective questions and that sort of thing. And um, somebody finally says, uh, you, you know, like, you know, you teach people good spinal hygiene, so they like maintain a good posture. 
and that they don't get themselves in bad postures that that cause low back pain. And then somebody said, somebody else said, well, you know, like making sure that you keep your core strong, like spinal hygiene would be keeping your core strong, your, your transverse abdominis and your, your multifidus and stuff like that to make sure uh, that, you, you know, you don't develop low back pain. And then somebody else said, it's like, you know, making sure that you don't have too much lumbar lordosis or, or you know, uh, you know, a lack of lumbar lordosis and, you know, in your pelvic posture. And then somebody else said, um, like making sure that, uh, you know, you keep your hips really, really strong. So, you, you know, the, the lower part of your core is, is stable, you know, you keep your pelvis stable. So these are all the things that, that came out. And I think, uh, this didn't come up, but this has been something that I've heard before in relationship to spinal hygiene is like making sure you sleep in good positions. So you don't have, uh, your back in a bad twisted or bent position all night. And, oh, um, lifting mechanics came up. So teaching people good lifting mechanics. So, you know, they have good, good spinal hygiene when they go throughout, throughout their day. Uh, so with that topic coming up and that little bit of discussion, uh, you know, the, the feedback that the students gave me, what does that make you think, Mark? Where, where, where does that, where does that take your mind? I think, you know, I get, I get worried because, you know, I, we were talking before the podcast, uh, you know, I can't remember where and I, I came across it, but you know, somebody shared like a, uh, a, a picture of a spinal decay report that they received from a healthcare professional, which we won't name <laughs> what the professional was of, you know, which again goes to this like hygiene thing where you're, you know, you, I think in the general sense of taking good care of your body, I think I can get on board with, I guess, that kind of thing of hygiene, like dental hygiene. You know, you need to brush your teeth and, you know, make sure you're flossing, which, you know, floss. I, I'm still working on getting on a consistent bandwagon with that. But anyway, um, I just think it, being careful of how much this becomes like just good, healthy human habits of, you know, I, I tend to strip it back maybe a little bit and not get so in the weeds of some of the things that traditionally, again, posture being some, you know, being some, uh, this blanket statement that we throw on everybody, I think in an N equals one scenario, posture may matter. It may matter if I can have, you know, change somebody's posture and it changes their symptoms for the better Then I might think posture in that situation is helpful. I've always referred to my issues with posture when I had, you know, acute discogenic pain, it definitely influenced my pain. And so I just think, but that's where you are as a DPD student. You kind of know these things from just kind of general PowerPoint statements that you read in textbooks or, you know, online, uh, you know, Instagram influencers and other folks who, uh, you know, make these blanket statements that, you know, lack the nuance that the clinic holds. Um, I, I know you mentioned that they're about to embark on the clinic. I just remember that too. I mean, that's like the most, was probably one of the more freaked out parts of my life. Cause you never feel like, you know, what you, you need to know. You feel like you're, going to fail and you're going to go into this clinic and not know anything, which you guys know a lot more than you think, you know, but, um, yeah, you know, to get back to the hygiene thing though, I, yeah, I, 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 part of me wants to cringe when I hear the word, I don't know why it's just, I think sometimes it can be, and maybe it's because of this overprescribed posture and lifting mechanics and things that we know the research has really called into question as far as making these blanket statements of that there's one way um, to, to, to kind of approach these topics. I think there's a lot more nuance to it, but I think that's again, where the mindset is. I know that was where my mindset was, is I was much more safe to make blanket statements or felt much more comfortable in that, in the shoes of a DPT student, because 
you know, just trying to survive and, and drink through the fire hose that is grad school and, and DPT training. Um, it's hard to really carve out that nuance at that point of your training, just because you're, you know, you're in survival mode of like, God, I got all this stuff on my plate. Um, so sometimes it's easier to kind of simplify things, but I, I don't know. What do you think about that simplification and how it can maybe negatively impact, um, both patient interactions and maybe that person's, you know, growth as a clinician? What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that it's, I mean, it's an oversimplification. It's something that somebody came up with along the way, uh, because, and, and of course, like very well intentioned, right? Somebody made the analogy to say, well, you know, you work on brushing your teeth every day. Like you care about your teeth. Uh, well, you need to work on spinal hygiene. So you need to do things every day that'll keep your, your back healthy. Um, the, the problem, I guess, is it kind of worries me because you, you think about, dental hygiene and you legitimately like get cavities and, and stuff like that. If you know, you're eating shit food all the time and you're never brushing your teeth. And, uh, that that's like a real thing that we have a lot of solid evidence occurs. What we don't really have is a lot of solid evidence that if you don't bend your back certain ways, you're going to develop back pain. And that if you don't keep your transverse abdominus firing at the appropriate firing rate, you're going to get back pain. And if you don't have a certain amount of multifidus bulk, you're going to get back pain. What we do have is a whole bunch of research that says that that's not necessarily really uh, well established or even a real thing, right? All of our core exercise research is just about as the same as any other exercise approach research on if it helps back pain. And that's, we don't have crap to say that if you regularly work on your core or your transverse abdominus, that you will prevent back pain. Uh, we definitely don't have anything. We definitely have research to show that lumbar lordosis or lumbar, you know, static lumbar posture has no bearing on, you know, uh, whether or not a person will have low back pain or develop a, you know, a, a lumbar injury or anything like that. So like I get the thought process behind it and it was probably a little bit of, you know, like a, a sell to people to say, Hey, you work on your teeth every day. Like, you know, let's do some stuff to make sure your back stays, you know, moving and flexible and, and that sort of thing. And, and I think, for a person who is probably really sedentary and maybe doesn't get much physical movement or activity in, in their back and they, you know they just have these prolonged sustained postures uh, we'll 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 say flip sitting right or you know people are sitting <clears throat> at work 8 hours a day and then they're sitting in the evening on the couch 4 hours a day maybe they lose flexibility and and uh have tissues muscles that aren't as strong as they could be like i totally get the, the thought process on Hey, let's move this a little bit more. Let's have some variability of movement in your life. Like your joints were made to, to move different directions. Let's kind of explore those different directions and, you know, just keep you, keep you, um, in a constant state of uh, appropriate motion. But to, to kind of layer the hygiene thing on it, I think it, you know, it automatically sends a message of good and bad, right? It sends a message of, hey, this is good posture. This is bad posture. Hey, this is good movement. This is bad movement. Hey, this is good lifting technique. This is bad lifting technique. Hey, if your core is not strong, that is bad. And if your core is super strong and you're working on planks all the time, well, that is good. Uh, and it's almost a bit of a scare tactic too. The more I think about it, it's like, if you, if you don't do this, if you don't do these things, 
well, then your back is just going to fall apart. Like you're not working on this stuff. Guess what? When you go in to get your x-rays, your your shit's just going to be like crunchy, right? You're going to have degenerated this, that, and the other. So it's actually a slip. It could be a little bit of a slippery slope, right? I don't want to make the slippery slope fallacy argument, but there's, there's, a lot of things in that whole concept of spinal hygiene that, that really need to be unpacked and thought about. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's the typical false dichotomies that get created of like good versus bad. And again, that's where the nuance of clinical reasoning and being able to determine in that situation, do you have a reasoning process and a way to test, treat, retest different things that can make you make you have some decision-making that can make, okay, maybe in this situation, getting some strength around the trunk and getting them more robust to take on loads in the trunk might be a very helpful thing for that person. Or maybe again, like the posture example I said, but I do think there's a little bit of possibly a marketing spin that gets thrown on this. And maybe that's maybe partly of where this stuff comes from is like, you know, if you can sell somebody on the thoughts of, you know, spinal hygiene and that you can provide it and like, Hey, you take care of your teeth. Why don't you take care of your back? Guess who can take care of your back? This guy. So come and, you know, book a, you know, eight visit package with me and we'll, we'll get you on a spinal hygiene program. So I could see like the marketing aspects of it. Yeah. Do I, do I, I mean, again, I don't think the general, you know, thought process of just taking good care of your back um, and body as a whole is bad. I, I, I tend to simplify it to more lifestyle, like sleep good, eat good, maintain good social relationships, move variably throughout the day. Um, you know, and I think we're in good shape. Um, if we do those things in a vast majority of, uh, you know, human situations, but I mean, obviously there's nuance to different people with genetics and, you know, past, you know, history. There's just so many things that go on within a person that can make them. And I like to just refer back to, you know, Matt Lowe's vector model, you know, in certain cases, maybe some of those components of spinal hygiene added together might have a summative effect to where it, it builds you know, more buffer or robustness to where maybe an episode of back pain becomes less likely. Again, that's all speculative. We don't have a, a, a painometer that can really measure that objectively, but um, maybe, maybe we have studies where we, and I'm not aware of them, if like we really enroll somebody in such a program where there's this conscious effort of these spinal hygiene concepts being employed and do we see, you know, injury risks and uh, prevalence of injuries decrease as a result? There might be some things. I know there's some, you know, probably some occupational uh, data on, you know, workplace injuries and stuff, um, maybe with some of these programs. I'm not aware that there's any good, uh, you know, just a, it's been a while since I've dug in that literature of like any of these lifting programs and different things that it's really been significantly able to demonstrate decreased injury um, rates and, and things like that. Um, I just think it's it's an attempt. I think a good thought in general, as far as like, take good care of your body. I can get on board with that. But like if we strip it down and then we start describing these narrowly focused rules of posture and core, and, and we've seen what it can do to people when they get locked in this movement jail situation of like, Oh my God. Um, you know, and some people might take that information and, and really restrict life because of it. And some people might just take it on board. Hey, yeah, finance, you know, be a little bit more mindful of, you know, some good movement throughout the day. And, you know, maybe I'll just do some stretching throughout the day and, 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 and build some strength around here, but they're not really taking it. So to, you know, the nth degree to where, again, it becomes a, a limiter versus a helper and in, in what they're looking to do and accomplish in life. But again, I think it goes back to just the mindset of where you're at in those situations. It's, it's, it's easier to take on these kind of black and white 
you know, dichotomous ways of looking at pain, which obviously, hopefully, if you've listened to this podcast, we've tried to un- unpack a bit of the complexity of what we're dealing with when we're dealing with humans and pain. So um, I think we just have to be careful when we start tossing these type of terms around. So we're not, you know, unintentionally creating some issues with people who take these concepts and run with them to a point it again starts limiting their pursuit of things that are important in their life. So um yeah, I think that's that's it's it's obviously um I know there's been discussions of spinal hygiene and other you know places as well. We won't get into some of the social media stuff just, just because I don't feel like getting any emails or anything like that. But um what what do you think as far as like you know a DPT student, what's a good way to kind of think about maybe this concept? when they're rolling into the clinic, you know, maybe it's your group that's, you know, just about to embark on their first clinical rotation and they're starting to think about this concept and try to like, you know, think about it with a, a patient in front of them. How would you recommend they go about thinking about spinal hygiene or good spinal care? You've already laid out the lack of evidence we have for a lot of this stuff, but again, maybe there might be a time and place for just taking good care of yourself. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, if you think about what, what is spinal hygiene, I think you, you have to think about what do we know, like what do we have decent data on that says increases a person's risk of developing low back pain. All right. And what we know fairly well is that um, psychosocial issues like um, lower education status, uh, anxiety and depression, um, dissatisfaction at work are predictors of a greater risk of developing low back pain. Uh, we know that maintaining a, a position, any any position, any posture, whether it's prolonged standing or prolonged sitting uh, for, you know, greater than six plus hours a day tends to be uh, a, a possible risk factor for the development of back pain. I think um, being a smoker is an elevated risk of low back pain. And, and uh, I think you know, maybe even subsequent spinal fusion. I, I believe there's a study that, that shows that, but also no failure rates with fusion if you're a smoker as well. Um, being uh, overweight, right? Having having a, a BMI that is pretty pretty far above uh, normal ranges, getting into the 30 plus range, 35 plus range is indicative of a future risk of low back pain. So, uh, and we know in general poor sleep patterns, right? Chronic being chronically sleep deprived is uh, a risk factor both for um, making existing pain worse and lowering the threshold for pain pressure threshold in, you know, experimental testing, which would be indicative of probably an increased likelihood of developing any sort of pain condition anywhere, right? Uh, So, when I think about spinal hygiene, I'm thinking, well, we probably need to keep people moving right? Don't, don't be sedentary. Don't maintain any position. Uh, I think about the spine, just like I think about any other joint, like my elbow. Uh, I, I want to probably spend most days where I get my elbow fully extended and fully, in, fully bent in some ways, right? I want to get my knee fully extended and fully bent in some ways, because if you don't take a, a joint through a full range of motion, there is a likelihood that it becomes 
stiffer and or you develop contractures or whatever it is. And even if that doesn't lead to an injury immediately, it may lead to a restriction in valued activities that then maybe puts stress on different parts of the bodies when you go back to do a valued activity that maybe you don't do as frequently as uh, you, you used to. Something like that. I think about trying to we need to educate people on. Um, healthy uh, approaches to sleep. We need to talk about the importance of, uh, you know, mental health and, and be willing to talk about that. Kinesophobia, fear avoidance, anxiety, depression, maybe maybe get people in contact with other healthcare providers that could help them with that, whether it's through pharmaceutical management or, um, you know, more cognitive behavioral management. Uh, same thing with nutrition and, and body weight. The, the, these type of things are predictors for back pain. So, if you think about what is spinal hygiene, spinal hygiene is keeping your body and, and mind in general as healthy as you can through regular movement and exercise, good good sleep, uh, adequate and appropriate nutrition, having good social relationships and, and uh, you know, mental health from from that that stat standpoint. That's the same stuff we would say for any any injury. That's the same stuff that we would say for just about any sickness, right? We would say the same thing for cancer. We would say the same thing for heart disease. We would say the same thing for various other, you know, ailments that afflict the body. Low back pain is not really any different. It's just a different manifestation of, uh, you know, various underlying factors that um, aren't as clear cut as just how well does a single muscle function. Yeah. I always think it's interesting when you, as you were speaking about that is like, you know, and I think Gifford's model of the vulnerable human model, you know, there's the mature organism model and the, you know, where, you know, again, all this kind of vector model based stuff, the kind of this lifestyle based things that you mentioned and a lot of these kind of more bigger picture, human health, healthy human lifestyle type things, those things start stacking up. And then there's our risk factors of your chances of developing some of these things. And that's just where you got to get to know the person in front of you and where they're at in those things. And you want to have some of those challenging conversations around mental health, stress management, those type of things. Um, we'll probably talk next episode about a little bit of the person-centered care way of looking at that type of stuff as far as being able to really understand the unique person in front of you and tailor yourself right. to them and not just where you're this is, you're fitting everybody to you. Um, just because I think you can connect and help a lot more people. But yeah, no, I think that's a good way to look at it as far as, you know, these, these thoughts of hygiene, I think just general human hygiene of, of being a healthy human is, is all those type of lifestyle things that you mentioned and um, seeing how that inter can be interwoven through not just low back pain, but sickness, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's interesting, especially working with a lot of persistent pain people where these chronic overlapping pain conditions, which I know you've talked about a lot in the past and even in our, some of our programs, as far as like seeing how these things stack up and can really dysregulate the human ecosystem to where it emerges with musculoskeletal issues, GI issues, headache, migraine, TMJ. I mean, all these different things that, that we're starting to see. And I think, um, maybe hygiene needs to be a little bit more of a big picture thing of just overall bigger, you know, good human health lifestyle thing that can really impact in multiple dimensions of what we think human health is more than just an MSK way of looking at it. So yeah. Um, what do you, what do you want to leave folks with today as we kind of wrap things up, Chair? Man, you know, I, I guess in a nutshell, <clears throat> we probably need to reduce the scare tactics, spinal hygiene and start focusing more on uh, the, the whole human hygiene uh, or, you know, lifestyle factors and how that can influence not just back pain, but 
a multitude of different ailments that can affect the body. So we got to zoom out a little bit. We got to got to start looking at the whole person a little bit more so, and and, and stop uh, hinging on uh, really hyper specific micro factors that that probably aren't as relevant, and then stop scaring people with those, and stop thinking about you know the spine as uh, different than any other part of the body and, and, you know, susceptible to degeneration and degradation and all this sort of stuff. Like you're not going to have plaque build up on your back. You know, it's, it's just, it's different. So uh, yeah, I just like, I would like to ask people to start having a discussion on it and reflecting on, um, <clears throat> you know, looking at spinal hygiene different, or maybe even throwing away the term altogether. Yeah, no, it sounds like a reasonable thought process. And I'd love to hear where you guys are at with it as far as let's, I'd, you know, we'll be throwing these episodes up on, on Instagram and our Facebook page. Uh, would love to hear your comments on where you're at with the whole spinal hygiene discussion and where, where you fall on it. And, you know, did we miss anything? Is there anything you think we uh, overlooked or do you have any disagreements? We'd love to have some discussions. Obviously, let's keep it civil. But um, yeah, we'd love to hear where you're at on the spinal hygiene debate. So check us out on there. And if you don't mind, uh, subscribe to the podcast on uh, iTunes, Spotify, we're on all these uh, Google podcasts, all the different platforms. And if you're even feeling really uh, generous, you know, leave a review because that also helps us get more exposure to help this information get in the hands of more folks that might benefit from it. So we're going to leave that, uh, leave it at that this week. Uh, hopefully you guys found some value in this week's episode and we will talk to you next week. This has been another episode of the Modern Pain Podcast with Dr. Mark Karchula. Join us next time as we continue our journey to help change the story around pain. For more information on the show, visit modernpaincare.com. Also, visit the Pain Masterminds Network on Facebook for free education and resources. This podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. Please consult a licensed professional for your specific medical needs. Changing the story around pain. This is the Modern Pain Podcast.